We return this morning to James chapter 1. We pick up at verse 22 and consider through verse 25. James 1, 22 to 25. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving or miscalculating your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Father, this morning it is a joy to think about the uniqueness of the Word of God in its practical effect upon our lives as believers when we look into it. Of all the names of the Bible, this is surely a great one. The perfect law of liberty. This book that we carry in our hands and seek to treasure in our hearts is the perfect law of liberty. Of all the things in this old world, on the planet, right now, in this moment, there is practically nothing perfect. And yet, we look into the perfect law of liberty, not a law of bondage, not a law of incarceration, but a perfect law of liberty. Oh, God, thank you for that. And help us this morning to appropriate that truth with the overriding emphasis and truth of the text. And for that, we'll praise you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. State Park Rangers confront repeated vandalization of public properties and facilities. So do county park officials. So do those charged with maintaining public spaces of any kind. There is just an ongoing sense of defacing and... uh, and damaging and uh, corrupting of public properties and facilities. After a brief period of time trying to keep glass mirrors on bathroom walls, the decision was made on the state level to go old school, removing the glass, and replacing it with sheets of polished metal. 
some clarity is indeed lost in the use of such a mirror, but you can still get a pretty good idea of the condition of your face, especially if you turn this way or that way when you're in front of the mirror, a polished metal mirror. In biblical times, all the mirrors were polished metal. Glass mirrors were not a thing on the earth until 1300 A.D. Today's truth for godly living hangs upon the illustration of seeing yourself in the mirror. The Word of God is likened to a mirror, a polished metal mirror, and the phraseology or the terminology or the nomenclature for the Bible in this text, as you heard me pray about it, is the perfect law of liberty. We'll get to that. This familiar illustration is, of course, an extension of the word and the verb to be. As found in verse 22, God's true children are to continually be in the word and responding to the word as a doer. Last week we sought to illustrate uh, the principle of being a doer of the word from Old Testament saw and New Testament saw. And uh, this morning we're going to build upon that truth. Last week we briefly referenced Matthew 7 where Jesus defines what it means to be a doer of the word. And in that occasion, doer is defined by the Lord Jesus as a person who constructs their life builds their house upon the word of God, upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ. In the betrayal of this illustration that runs 23 to 25, you have the development of a clear contrast. Some people are described uh, by the word blessed in our text. Uh, Right at the end of 25, this man shall be blessed or blessed in his deed. Uh, We might also describe, in contrast, the other guy is blemished. And so you have in this passage the representation of what it is to live a Christian blessed life and what it is to live a, a, a Christian blemished life. And sadly, a lot of Christians are living the blemished life. The ones blessed are personally blessed of God. Uh, The ones blemished are perpetually blemished because of themselves. God is the blesser, but you are your own blemisher. God blemishes nobody. God blemishes nobody. If you're a Christian and you're blemished, you've got yourself to blame. God is not a blemisher. God is the blesser. And thereby, the person that operates, according to the instruction here, following the command to be a doer of the word, uh, the person that operates in that manner lives a blessed life. The illustration confirms, among other things, that there is no such thing as being blessed of God apart from his word. There is no such thing as being blessed of God apart from his word. The difference between a blessed life and a blemished life for the child of God involves their honest 
ongoing relationship to the living word above them, to the implanted word within them, and to the written word in their hands. Your life and mine is to be lived for the entirety of its lifetime uh, with being mindful of the living word above us, uh, the word of God implanted within us, and the written word of God in our hands and in our hearts. Today I want to focus upon the principles of biblical implementation. It is the single greatest lacking thing that Christians fail to do, implement. We want to talk about biblical continuation because it is not God's will ever to rip off a ticket out of hell and going to heaven and hand it to any man and say, good enough, you're on your way. God's will is ever and always that all God's children continue. Continuance. And so today we're going to talk about the principles of biblical implementation and biblical continuance which are illustrated in our text both negatively and positively. Here's principle number one, the necessity of application. You and I that know the Lord must implement the word of God that we come to understand. The negative side of this is seen in verses 23 and 24. The person who starts their day looking into the mirror but doesn't do anything about what is seen, proceeds to live an ugly life. That's the negative illustration here. Notice the word, verse 24, beholdeth himself. What do you look in the mirror for? To behold yourself. Implementation and application of truth is based upon what you honestly see of yourself in the mirror of God's word. If you don't look in God's word, you do not see yourself correctly. The word of God is the only earthly instrument given us by which we might see ourselves correctly as before God. And so therefore, uh, the implementation and application process of truth is based upon what you honestly see of yourself in the mirror of God's word. That's quite a different thing than reading the posted views of other people on the social media. Far too many people are concerned about people, even at church, rather than directing their minds towards the word of God that they might see themselves correctly, and on the basis of seeing yourself correctly in that perfect law of liberty, uh, you know what needs to be done. And then you can get busy doing it. When I rise in the morning, as I've often given testimony because I try to be honest when I'm speaking to you, uh, there's not much shine. When I wake up in the morning, there is not much shine. Sherry works up, wakes up chipper, bugs me to death. Uh, she wakes up happy. I don't even like that. Uh, uh, I wake up in the morning, 
and uh, I can barely make it to the coffee pot, uh, but I do, and, uh, and uh, I don't slam the alarm. I shut it off softly, but I hate that thing, and uh, uh, I just tell you that in the morning when I rise, there's not much shine, uh, and then, of course, uh, I, I go to the bathroom because I have to, and uh, I go to the bathroom, and then inevitably I stand there and I look into the mirror, and what do I see? It's not a pretty picture. I need to shave. I look and see these crusty things that grow on my eyelashes overnight, I'm telling you. I mean, if I could get that stuff out of there and, and put it in a bottle and sell it, I'd be rich. Uh, I, I, look at, I look at this, this, uh, uh, this thing of a beard that I've been wearing over the last few years, and it's amazing how many times, upon real scrutiny, there's actually a piece of supper right there. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of a thing. And the most discouraging thing for me at this stage of my life, the most discouraging thing for me at this stage of my life is that the longest hair on my head is protruding out of my nose. <laughs> and then, of course, I look and see that sunspot, and, uh, and I note the fact that the shape of it is changing. And, uh, and so then the question is, what should I do? Well, I should shave and trim up my beard. I should get a, a warm washcloth at least and remove those crusty little things from my eyelashes. I should clip the protruding hair out of my nose. By the way, things come back to haunt you. I remember laughing at my grandfather one time because of the the crop of hair he had in his ears, I remember saying to him, you could grow potatoes in those things. But nonetheless, I don't talk like that anymore unless I be a hypocrite. But nonetheless, and then concerning that spot on my cheek, of course, I should call the doctor if it really has changed shape uh, because uh, it might be something more concerning. I should do all those things, but of course, it's easy to choose not to especially on my day off, because when you have a day off, you tell yourself, you're off, and it's okay to be off. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I've complained to God for years that, that man has construed the aspect of his time off to include the whole weekend, because I work harder on Sunday than any day of the week, and uh, some of you don't work at all. Nonetheless, I should choose to respond to what I see, but it's easy not to. And if I choose not to in the moment, it's easy to forget about it. A member of my family, extended family, not my immediate family, but a, a member of my extended family has a, has a favorite phrase, fooey on Louis. I don't even know what that means, fooey on Louis, but he says it. And, uh, and how he uses it is he uses it uh, like a New Yorker would say, forget about it. Fooey on Louis means fooey on Louis. Forget about it. Let it go. Don't worry about it. Fooey on Louis. It's easy to take a fooey on Louis mentality when you see things in the mirror, but convince yourself not to do anything about those things. To look and not take action is the negative side of illustration here because that person remains in a state of blemish. In contrast, the positive side, 
the person who looks into God's word, the mirror, and takes action based upon what they see is a person that functions in the realm of blessed. Most people would rather be blessed than blemished, but many choose to live the blemished life because they are too lazy or sinfully crazy to take commanded action. The word of God must be implemented into life in order to do any good. The scribes were knowledgeable of the scriptures to a very high degree, but seldom, if ever, they took action based upon the word they knew. You know what Jesus had to say about them, don't you? Years ago, as I traveled the country preaching, I used to promote the idea that one truth lived is better than ten truths known. People are not interested in what we know. They are interested in what we do. One truth lived is better than ten truths known. Uh, After 9-11, they uh, promoted the national uh, safety mechanism of citizens saying, uh, see something, say something. That's almost biblical, Uh, but uh, uh, the biblical mantra would be, see something in the mirror, do something. See something, do something. See something, do something. That's the biblical mantra here. The point is never, did you like the sermon, but what are you going to implement of that sermon today? The point isn't, did you read your Bible today, but what are you going to do about the Bible reading today? Implement, engage, take action, put it to use. It is indeed our command. Any sports team member can tell you that it's not about how many plays you know that wins the game, but how many plays you can effectively execute. In that case, execute in sportsman's term means to run a play effectively with precision of time and energy. My old football coach used to say, if you guys would all do your job, we'd only need one play. Because the play is designed for everybody to do what they're supposed to do, and if everybody does it, touchdown. Run the play, touchdown. Run the play, touchdown. Run the play, touchdown. Nobody creates a play to gain no yards. Every play is designed to be touchdown. And yet, there aren't many because of the, implement, uh, the opposition that is all around us. Nonetheless, you and I as believers ought to be interested in the implementation of our sovereign coaches' plays, not just knowing them all. The Bible is not to just be known. It is to be lived. Some of the things that they did back in the Sunday school years of Baptistville is kind of goofy, and I wouldn't repeat it, but some of the things uh, would be uh, wise to implement again in coming generation, including some of the music. And one of the little choruses we used to sing was, uh, uh, Be a Sermon in Shoes. 
uh, be a sermon in shoes. Uh, that really is a biblical principle. That's the biblical principle here. And if you had a bunch of junior age kids that had learned that chorus, this would be the time in the service when you bring them up and let them sing uh, uh, Sermon in Shoes, because that really is the point here. Principle number two, you and I that know the Lord must continue in the word of God we implement. It's not what you sometimes do that counts. It's what you always do. Therefore, we righteously criticize the C&E Christian, Christmas and Easter, thinking them not to be a Christian at all. It's not what you sometimes do. It's what you always do, the necessity of continuance. The word continue, verse 25, is a Greek compound word, made up of the word meno, meaning to abide, and the Greek prefix para, meaning alongside of. It is found in our words paramedic and paralegal. You and I as believers are to be parameno, or ever abiding alongside the mirror of God's word. Hupomeno is the word for endurance. In the worship hour this morning, Matthew 10, parameno is the word here, translated continuance. And then you have in this same verse the word look, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, the word look, is likewise a Greek uh, compound, and it too has the prefix uh, para, uh, and in this case, uh, combined with the Greek word krupto, para krupto. And as the exact same word used for Peter, stooping down to investigate the tomb of Jesus after resurrection in Luke chapter 24, and it's the exact same word for Mary, doing the same as reported in John chapter 20. This is not a casual looking or glancing, but an intense looking and an absorbing way we could use the word gaze. Gazing upon the perfect law of liberty. The object of this perpetual and intense looking, as we've said it and prayed it in this hour, is the perfect law of liberty. Liberty, you know that's a name for the Bible, but just pause with me a little bit here to note the significance of that phraseology, perfect law or complete law, as opposed to partial law. You and I have on our hands the perfect law of liberty, in contrast to the old Testament law alone and apart from the New Testament gospel you and I have received the perfect law of liberty. When you look into the combined truth of the Old Testament law 
and the New Testament gospel, you have a clear and compelling pathway in living liberty. The path of liberty is not found in dismissing the law as no longer in effect and preaching some quasi-gospel. Neither is it in honoring the law of old and ignoring the truth of the gospel. No, we look into the perfect law of liberty that includes the Old Testament law as the body of the scripture and the New Testament gospel as the head. We look into the perfect or complete law and that complete law is the law of liberty for indeed it is the law of Christ. The path forward is known by our justification based upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ. By the law and understanding, you repent. By the gospel, you renew yourself in relationship with God. And that again and again and again and again. I did not say you get saved again and again and again. You get saved once. But... The Old Testament law continues to play a role in my life, helping to me to see myself as to those things that are blemishes in the view of the Almighty. And the perfect law of liberty in the gospel causes me not to just create a new list that I'm going to take care of today, but causes me to say, oh God, thank you for my Savior in whose righteousness I do even now stand. Doing it always means fresh confession of sins for me, for you. Doing it always involves fresh confirmations of faith in Christ. What does it mean to be a doer of the word? It means that there is fresh confession of sins, and it means that there is fresh confirmations of faith in my life, in your life, day after day after day. Herein James speaks of continuing to look and respond to whatever we see in the mirror of God's word. Likewise, the writer of Hebrews, as recently studied, raised the same issue, saying, do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience, endurance, inherit the promise. Look at the word liberty. The freedom afforded such a person is not void of its godly responsibility. The perfect law, which is the law of Christ depicted and lived on earth, first advent, is what brings the believer into the realm of blessing. To be at liberty in the Lord does not ever mean you do anything you want to do at all times. Being at liberty in the Lord means that you do what God would have you do at all times. Liberty in the Lord. We are not just to uh, glance into the mirror of the word 
but gaze into the mirror of the word uh, so that we might acclimate ourselves according to its liberty. Now, the way that Paul said that to the Galatians uh, upcoming for the teens in their study is stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. Galatians chapter 5. Gaze into the word and thereby live in the realm of blessing. And if you do engage in the word, if you do implement, if you do continue in the word like that, then you will be a blessing as well as be blessed. You will be a blessing to the family of God around you. If you ever want to do something good for your teacher or your preacher or your fellow believer, here's the very best thing you can do. Abide in the Word of God. The best way for a believer to bring joy and blessing to the heart of their teacher or their pastor is to abide in the Word of God. To be a a person that implements the Word of God. That continues in the Word of God. The principles of implementation and continuation are readily seen in hundreds of biblical passages. And I say to you that this is just basic, fundamental stuff. It's not fancy or complex. And it's the equivalent of a spiritual layup or a base hit or a forward pass. It's just not that hard to do. And yet it must be done. And in the obedience of doing it, There is from God blessing. The principles of implementation and continuation are seen here as they're seen in many, many, many other places in the Scripture. I call your attention to the word work, especially for the benefit of those of you that were with us on Wednesday night and studied with us that false prophetess, Noadiah. And we talked about evil work and evil words and godly words and godly work. And here in verse 25 you have, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. I thought you were supposed to be a doer of the word. Right. But this is a doer of the work? Yeah. Why? Because works and words always go together. used to bother me. Because knowing that this passage is about being a doer of the word, the phrase here was translated work. I remember my thought when I first learned a little Greek, I was going to check that out quick because I was pretty sure that that wasn't the word work. And so I got my Greek text soon after I bought it, went right to this passage of scripture, checked it out in my, uh, in my, uh, uh, in my lexicon, and uh, I found out that the word is uh, Work. The other word I chased was where Jesus says in Luke 14, if you don't hate your mother, father, sister, and brother, yea, your own life also, you can't be my disciple. And so I went there and I said, that word can't be hate, that word can't be hate, that word can't be hate. And so as a brand new Greek student with my Greek book and my lexicon, I went right to that word to see if it was hate. And it was hate. (laughs) And here the word is work. In the context, listen, in the context of it, of this passage, The work of it 
is profoundly captured in relationship to the word given. Be ye doers of the word because it's been given you in the living word above you, in the implanted word within you, when the written word in your hands, implement, continue, respond, do that work, be a doers of that work, because it profoundly connects you to your relationship, your ongoing relationship uh, to the word, both written and living. I look at myself in the mirror of God's word. I see therein things I must do or implement, and then I do accordingly. I look and see and do, and then I look and see and do, and then I look and see and do, and then I look and see and do until I look and see and do, and then I look and see and do. This is the work of doing. As a child of God, if you do this work, you will be blessed of God in living experience. This truth takes nothing away from the fact that in Christ Jesus we have received all spiritual blessings. James informs the child of God how to live the blessed life on earth, here and now, in practice and experience. Principle number three. From this work of looking and seeing and doing, and looking and seeing and doing, from this work of being a doer of the word, looking in, seeing self, and doing what is necessary as prescribed, there are no days off, nor any anticipation of retirement. You work this work until you die, or you're ugly as a Christian. And I can't help but note how many ugly senior citizens there are among God's people. And the reason they're ugly is not because they're all wrinkly. That's true, too. <laughs> but that's not what bothers me or the Lord. Uh, the problem is not that they, that they have gray hair or that they're hunched over or that they walk with a walker or they use a cane. No, the problem is that they're not continuing in the perfect law of liberty. And no believer can have a liberty in spirit apart from the word of the living God doesn't matter how old you are. This is the work of the Christian life. You don't do it to get saved, but if you are saved, you better get with it. This is the work of the Christian life. This is our lifelong responsibility 
until Jesus steps out on that cloud. We have often said that worship is revelation and response, but today we must also say that the whole of the Christian's living experience and work is revelation and response. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, miscalculating concerning yourself, deceiving your own self. Father, thank you for a clear word, beautifully illustrated, so that all of us can understand it. Help us now to implement. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.